You are listening to Perlustration, a podcast where we take on movie universes. This episode, we are discussing the 2018 film Avengers Infinity War, directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. Spoiler warning for this film, as well as the first 18 MCU films. We will try not to spoil any future movies or any future plot points. Lucas, what are your thoughts on Avengers 3? It's it's pretty dang good, I gotta say. Um, this is one that... So it only came out two years ago, and it's probably one of my least rewatched because it's pretty sad. You know, like, the, a lot of stuff happens. Some characters are potentially no longer with us, so it's not one that I rewatched a lot. And upon mm. watching it a couple of times recently, that was a mistake. It's really good. It has a lot of lot going for it. And it's just epic. It's just a huge, huge movie. How was it for you for the first time? I really enjoyed it. I was impressed at how they balanced all of these stories and tones and still found a way to weave them through each other in a compelling but also believable way. And we're, we will get into that in our Stones discussion, but I would say it exceeded my expectations. That's awesome. And you watched it basically a week or so after Black Panther, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty rare for all of these Marvel movies in the time that they were released they are in the beginning they were like one year apart you know we had hulk and iron man back to back but then we didn't have another one for two years so they were much more spaced out in black panther and infinity war black panther came out mid-february and infinity war came out early april yeah early april so not a lot of time in between it and it was first time we see wakanda and then we returned to wakanda and it was just they really did a good job of rewarding people who are invested in the in the MCU at this time and having them come out so close together that was such an exciting time i can imagine so yeah i i wonder what it would be like going through this series and having to wait such a long time between installments i don't know if that would have made it more exciting for me if i or if i would have lost interest at some point along the way you know what i mean yeah. waiting so long and i'm not just incredibly invested in it but I think you would have also, you could have gotten caught up in the hype. So, you you know, it's, you're really into it when the movie comes out. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you go focus on other things. But then as the next one is getting close to coming out, you get back into it and it's all new again. I think that's a good point. And speaking of the, like the long gaps, there was like a full year between Infinity War and Endgame. So imagine living in real time. You've got to go... A, basically a whole year wondering what the snap is are they you know skipping straight to the end of this movie like yeah half the people disappear it, it was it was mind-blowing the speculation going crazy everybody is like everybody's coming up with theories of what actually happened and how you're going to get back from this and from a comic book or you know from the story point of view like how can they do it within the mcu but then also like how the story writers are going to bring it all back in a believable way that mm-hmm. sat- is satisfying, I should say. It was fun, I gotta say. <laughs> I, I mean, I, like I say, I imagine so. I can only 
only know what it's like from my experience here, but I, I have enjoyed watching it in the way that we have too, because it, I've been spacing, it's almost been like rhythmic for mm -hmm. me. Like each week I reapproach a new story here. So I am, I'm not like overloading myself all at one time. I think I've yeah. spaced it out well enough, but I've also kept it condensed enough that I'm still remembering things from like Iron Man 2 and from the first Guardians and things that I might have forgotten if i had been watching through in real time yeah the first guardians came out in like 2014 and so you're watching this one four years later yeah easy to forget stuff yeah uh okay i do have a couple questions here the Let cauldron of the cosmos <laughs> yeah have, have we seen this before or is that like a little easter egg for comic book fans that's just an easter egg um it's more of just uh what Stephen strange or dr strange is all about like He's in his own world. He's got his own big time cosmic things going on. And Tony just walks up and like leans on this powerful artifact that's obviously honestly just chilling in Strange's house, which is kind of weird. But yeah, it's more of an Easter egg. We haven't seen that before. Okay. And then did we see Vision as a human at some point before this? I was a little bit thrown off there. They were in Scotland, right? Him right. and uh, Wanda were there. And so I don't... You you're talking about the skin, right? Like human-colored skin versus, yes, yeah, versus it was red just, face. It was just Paul Bettany mm -hmm. with a dot on his head. Well, it, it even goes away for a little bit there. Oh, I must have missed that. When they're in the street, he definitely does not have it. Ah. Well, so we do know from uh, e even from uh, um, Avengers 2 Ultron when we first see Vision that he does have the ability to change his appearance. And I think just over time, he's either gotten better at it or... Maybe he's realized it's better to blend in and like he could have been skin colored the whole time, but chose to be red because he's a hero mm. or whatever. And that was, you know, that was his superhero um, look. But as he's trying to lay low in Scotland, maybe he realized it's probably better to look like skin colored. Who knows? Okay. But this was like the first time that we saw him looking yes, like yes, a it was. normal human. Okay. I was just making sure I wasn't missing anything there. Uh, do you have anything else here before we get to our stones, or do you want to dig into it there? Let's get into it. All right. Well, we're going to pause real quick to hear a word from our sponsors. Then we're going to get into our six infinity stones. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Coolers. As summer approaches, it's the perfect time to step up your cooler game. And there's no better option than Mammoth. They make the best coolers since the Ice Age and from after the Thanos snap and everywhere in between. The best coolers that, that whole time. And like the all the timelines that like Doctor Strange was in, they have the best coolers in all those timelines. That was like, they cut that line from the film, but it was there. He did tell Tony that information immediately after he talked about like the end of the world and everything. The next point that he made was, man, the coolers, best coolers. They have a mammoth ice tusk that is a stainless steel reusable beer chiller. It is the ultimate way to keep your long neck beer cold. Built with 18.8 kitchen grade stainless steel and insulated with high tech thermal gel, it keeps your beer cold up to two hours on a single freeze. Here's how you use it. Freeze the ice tusk for at least 45 minutes before using. Take a sip of beer to make room Insert the ice tusk in the bottle and press firmly to create a tight seal. As tight as that seal that Tony made with his 
little shooter out of his suit when they kick that guy out of the ship and save Doctor Strange. And then you just enjoy drinking that ice cold beer. Unless you're Peter Parker, because you're underage. Make sure you're 21 if you're drinking ice cold beer. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. And I hear that they're looking into sending stuff to nowhere as well. Interesting. Cool, I wonder what the shipping rates are to there. You can visit mammothcooler.com. That's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. And use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word at checkout, to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use that code to let Mammoth know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Shipping to nowhere has got to be crazy expensive. You have to imagine the rates are high. I would not ship anything fragile either, because you got to imagine somewhere along the way you're going to run into like... I guess not Yondu and his crew, but maybe some other Ravagers or Sylvester Stallone's Ravager crew. Worst case scenario, you run into Thanos. (laughs) All right. It is time for our six Infinity Stones. Wow. Uh, I'm looking at a lot of information here, Lucas. Let's get into it first stone is film fusion so this is where we're going to talk about how the film balanced the characters and tones previously established in the mcu yeah i mean this is the 19th film in Mm -hmm. a series in a cohesive relatively cohesive series you know yeah Um, all i can the only word that comes to my mind is epic it is huge a, a monumental undertaking to weave all of these stories together it is a continuation of each avengers movie we called it avengers 3 at the top you know it is the third avengers movie but it's a story on its own you know uh, avengers 1 had the whole attack on new york situation avengers 2 had the ultron situation which and the twins and while they're all tied into this story they were complete stories on their own and throw into that three other characters trilogies the guardians had a couple movies it it's just huge to bring all of these characters in together tying pretty much all of the loose ends up and feeding everybody into this final showdown definitely and i think like i was saying it does a good job about balancing these previously established tones so like when it's peter parker and star lord Well, of course, they're going to talk about 80s nostalgia because Peter's always talking about old movies. Mm -hmm. That's what Star-Lord knows. It really blends their two tones well. If it's going to be Star-Lord and Thor, it's going to be a little bit of a macho man contest. You know, they're a bit egotistical and they're both, you know, like they have God in their blood. And so, you know what I mean? Like, or God-like powers, whatever. And we're also dealing with um, Thor's... Thor has had three movies to grow as a character. And, you know, the third movie, Ragnarok, that we talked about recently was his... We, we see him becoming much more lighthearted and comedic while still being the hero and having this big purpose. Mm-hmm. Contrasted to the first Thor movie where he's very proper and he speaks in very Shakespeareanly, very Shakespearean. And um, blending that with the comedy from 
Guardians of the Galaxy and the comedy from Ragnarok and like blending them together is is just crazy. Very, very well done. It's very well done. And I think also it brings back some of that Thor 1 and Thor 2 sensibilities. Like when they go to restart the star and the forge, it gets very regal there for a moment. Like between him and I can't remember Peter Dinklage's character's name, but he's like, I'm going to start this star. This is like, you know, of our forefather. This could maybe open the Bifrost. It went very old school Thor for a moment while still balancing that newer tone. That's and true. I mean, I, I think we'll kind of continue to maybe point these little moments out as we talk about events in the movie. But I, I just, again, I want to commend the Russo brothers, the writers, the actors, everyone involved. You know, it's just, it yeah. works really well. And they, the, the expectations couldn't have been higher, as you're saying. Like, this was a huge deal. And so the fact that they pulled it off and it works, it's shout out to you, everybody involved. And yeah. It really is a star-studded cast. I mean, you can go up and down the roster. We basically named all of them throughout our podcasts here. Yeah. I don't know if there's any big new star that entered beside... I mean, Thanos in a much bigger way, so we get Brolin there in a much bigger mm -hmm. way. But, I don't know, he's still CGI and stuff, so it's not, like, really, really him. I don't know if that's a fair representation of Brolin's performance in this movie, but... You're not wrong that the expectations are so high for this movie and to bring together more than 20 heroes, talking about the screenwriters, tying, giving everybody their moment, telling a cohesive story, nobody is really underutilized on screen. But you have every, basically every character or every major character in this show or in this movie had their own movie or series where they were the number one the mm -hmm. the big time character and you know from the actor's point of view they're the star of the film and now you've got to bring them all together i mean this has got to be the the biggest actor related challenge that the directors have ha ever had to handle pulling all these people together i mean i'm not a director i don't know what it's like to work with actors but you got to imagine they've got you, you got to imagine that robert downey jr at this point, he's probably pretty easy to work with, but he is used to being the top dog, and in this one, he probably is. I, but I had asked you to look up like how the times break down. How do how much screen time do all these kind of major people get? Like you were saying there, with Robert Downey Jr. and you're about to talk about Chris Evans, who got more. I mean, Tony got more screen time than Chris Evans, right? I say Tony, Robert Downey Jr. I mean, rather, <laughs> yes. Um, so. For this movie, actually, the number one on screen, not that surprisingly, is Thanos at 29 minutes of screen time. Gamora, 19 and a half. Iron Man, 18. Thor, 14 and a half. And Strange, 11 and a half. Now, I mean, it goes down from there, but like this, the list is long. There's a huge list of characters, and they all have wildly varying amounts of time. But if you want to talk about like overall in the whole MCU, Mm -hmm. I mean, Iron Man's on screen nearly six hours, five hours, 58 minutes. Cap at four hours and three minutes. Thor, three and a half hours, that is. <laughs> is that up until this point or throughout the all 23 films? So that's throughout all 23. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I guess the ratios look, are probably similar. Definitely, I, I would I would assume. I mean, so. the the biggest discrepancy comes in at uh, like Captain Marvel. We've never seen her on screen, but she's on this list because you know she has her own movie and maybe appears in other movies. <laughs> but like, yeah, Ant Man, uh, Ant Man is pretty high on this list at number six, hour and fifty two. But we haven't watched it yet. But he's got his own second movie coming up. You know, right? And where was he in this film? Hmm. Uh, speculations abound. Um, I, I, yeah, maybe he's in the quantum realm. I also was like, where's Nakia? She's a, a, outre- a Wakandan outreach in Oakland, right? Yeah, but this is this is for Earth. True. She's not a warrior. That she, she said that herself. She's a she's a spy. She's not a warrior with an army. She's not a big time fighter. She's capable, but that's just not really her role, at least from her own point of view. Okay, fair, fair, fair. You know, I, I gotta, you gotta make it make sense in your head. Do you have anybody on that list of times that you were like, whoa, that's either like a lot more time than you thought they were there or like a, a lot less time? Uh, I would say Spider-Man at, he's at number four with two hours, 43 minutes, like right behind Thor and ahead of Hulk. Hulk had his own movie, sure, but he's got a big role in multiple Avengers movies and Spider-Man He's got two movies, sure, at at the count of this uh, list here, mm-hmm. and has but he's only been a very small role in Captain America three, Civil War, yeah, Civil War, and then this movie. So that was a bit surprising for me to, ha- to see him high on that list. Hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised the Hulk isn't higher as well. Uh, and you said I didn't have to watch that Hulk movie. How would I have known who General Ross is in the hologram? <laughs> so glad we watched it uh no i i guess i was more asking to in in this film in particular if there's Mm -hmm. anybody's screen time that stuck out to you sure sure okay uh uh, let me switch lists here then no not not that surprising thanos gamora iron man thor strange star lord vision those all make a lot of sense what is surprising is kind of like how little time major characters get oh like who well Bucky only gets two minutes on screen. Wow. So what, him getting the arm and then his little like greeting interaction with Cap and mm-hmm. then a little bit of fighting? That's it. Okay. That is interesting. How much how much screen time do we get uh from Ned on the bus there, like helping out his boy Peter? Uh the the list I've got is rounded to the nearest fifteen seconds and he gets only fifteen seconds. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he was in there although how did he know that there was an alien ship he saw or was he just no he saw so peter is looking out the window and he mm-hmm. it's like over his shoulder and he turns to ned and like is slapping his face and ned turns around to look at peter sees the ship behind peter through, through the window it's just Got it. we're all gonna die really cool little zoom in too on the spidey sense with yes, the arm with hairs hair. flicking up yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> All right, well, let, let's move on here. We will continue to talk about the film Fusion throughout the Definitely. rest of our conversation, but our second Infinity Stone, boom, 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 boom. All of the Infinity Stones, the yes. Infinity Stone recap. They have names, colors. We know where they came from. We know what they do. I feel like like it's a first new time. person. I, I feel like I'm on, I just got let into like a secret club that's been like, partying for the last 10 years 
So let's go through them here one by one. First, the Mind Stone. The Mind Stone, aka the yellow one. Now, this is the one that is in Vision's head. It, we saw it for the first time in Avengers 1 with Loki's staff or scepter. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it was a hidden in there or something. Yes, yeah. yes. What is unclear to me is if Thanos knew that it was there. I'm thinking he had to have, right? But then you, you got to wonder... Why would he, Why did he willingly... give it to Loki? Exactly. Gave it to Loki. Well, maybe that isn't it after that he says, fine, I'll do it myself. I believe so. Yes. When Loki fails. And I figured at that point, he's hopping over to the star to get the glove made at that point and kind of getting mm -hmm. a crew together. Yeah, that's good. Good point. Um, oh, thanks, man. Important notes for the Mind Stone is after Avengers 1, that Mind Staff goes into shield slash hydra custody mm -hmm. and um baron von strucker is using it to experiment on humans giving wanda and peter maximoff their powers so this is kind of a you know big time why wanda's power is able to destroy a, uh, an infinity stone is because her power came from an infinity stone which is a notable oh. departure from the comics because in the comics she's a mutant like from the x-men Oh, really? Yeah, I mean... Oh, cool. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, I, I could have sworn I mentioned it when we first see her, but maybe I didn't to avoid spoilers. Who knows? Uh, there's, at this point, they're not going to return to this timeline, but uh, or return to this storyline. But uh, Wanda is actually Magneto's daughter in this comics. Magneto mm. being... Uh, I, I don't know how much you know the X-Men from this point, but Magneto's a bad guy in the X-Men comics. He's a mutant that can control magnets, magnetism magneto oh, got it he's he's awesome as a as a bad i mean he is a bad guy and he's demented but all right very cool well maybe maybe sometime we'll watch all of the x-men films hey, here for illustration maybe by the time we get there they will be looped in under the mcu umbrella oh that's my dream that is your dream correct okay <laughs> second stone the time stone Yes, the green one from Doctor Strange's necklace, the Eye of Agamotto. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. This one controls time. Uh, it has been under the protection of the Sorcerer Supreme, or in this case, Doctor Strange, for a long time. I, I don't even know how long. How far back in time can it go? Good question. Probably as far back as the, the person wielding it can. Who knows? We only see it go back a couple of seconds every every time it's used, but you, well, maybe a couple of minutes because I guess we get that whole Dormammu fight. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then reversing the city there. I was just wondering if this could be like one of those they could go back in time and kill Thanos as a baby type of situations. Yeah, you got your classic uh, time loop dilemma though. Like it's the killing Hitler as a baby story too. Like, is that actually going to stop? what the bad thing that happens or will like a different bad guy come in and take you know who knows tough tough to say tough to you say maybe maybe we'll answer it in the next avengers movie yeah hey, i don't know <laughs> okay the third stone here we have the reality stone yes this is also known as the ether the red one that we saw for the first time in thor 2. right yeah yes. the dark elves were somehow connected with it yeah they like had possession of it for a while um and then okay 
And then Odin took it from them. Or no, sorry, Bor, Odin's father, took it from them. And then he hid this, hide it where no one will ever find it. And, you know, obviously somebody finds it after you say that. But um, then this is the, for me, this is like the most powerful one. Interesting. You, hmm. Oh, continue. I'll try to think of what I think is the most powerful. You know more about these, but please, please, please. Well, it, just from a ability to manipulate reality, like you can change everything. He, he produced that illusion on Nowhere where he was uh, interrogating the collector, but actually he was he had already been there and destroyed um, Nowhere. And he can turn the guns into bubble shooters and turn Drax into a pile of rocks. And, um, you know, it, you can just mess with reality like reality is whatever you want it to be so if you if i had to choose one stone i would pick this one uh, assuming i am uh, strong enough to wield it but yeah you can change anything hmm okay maybe i'll I'll decide at the end of this here because i guess now i have more i have more questions and i feel like i understand what the first three do but so my next one here the soul stone yeah the the uh we see it basically come into the story in this film a really heartbreaking scene that we'll get into in thanos's own stone here for our episode but what what does it do now now you're making me wonder what does the soul stone do (laughs) it's a it's a good question so all of these all of the stones control or represent slash control one aspect of existence um so the soul i guess it's as nebulous as we understand the soul in our own real life you know like what is the soul Whatever it is, the stone controls it. And so, you know, it's like oh. the mind stone controls minds. You know, we see Loki using it to control people's minds, but it also gives a mind to vision. So maybe it's more it takes over like your will. Yeah. Something like that. You know, I, I'm, Could be, yeah. Like, like the purple man in, uh, in Jessica Jones to oh. where like, you know, oh. like in your like brain, it's you're not being mind controlled. Like you don't want to be doing it, but it changes your will to like stop it. Mm. I, I'm just speculating here, but sure. you said the soul stone. It's yeah. It's... So in order to get the soul stone, first Thanos had to locate it. Like he, he had to locate all of the stones, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's quite the navigator. Definitely. But he's, he's been at this a long time. How old is Thanos? Don't know, but he's been doing this for a long time, and he's been building a following, um, loosely called the Children of Thanos. Um, he has a lot of them, not just uh, Gamora and Nebula. Like the Black Order is another name for kind of the group, but like the we see the Maw and Praxis, and you know all all of the weird looking bad guys that that get um, that we see in this movie. Um, those are also Children of Thanos. Got it. Essentially, for however long Thanos has been doing this without the Infinity Stones, he's been traveling from planet to planet, conquering the planet, and then destroying half the population. Basically, you know, by shooting, like splitting up the the population and shooting the other half, um, like we see on Gamora's home planet. So that's too slow for him, which is why he's after all the Infinity Stones to just make it happen, kill half the population. So he has been using this following the black order and his children to go out across the galaxy and track them all down okay how did how did red skull get there he was transported there by the space stone the tesseract okay that's what i thought yep so at the end of captain america one he grabs it thinking he is uh you know more than human and strong enough to wield it it burns him up 
you know, we think maybe he died or whatever. But yeah, really, mm -hmm. it is the space stone responsible for opening up wormholes and teleporting type stuff. So it transported him to Vormir, where the soul stone is, and now he's kind of cursed to this guardian existence. I mean, the drip on Red Skull now. He That look is cool. That kind of Dementor type of look. Yeah, he's like floating a little bit invisible with this awesome cape and hood. Yeah. So cool. Okay, well then let's talk about it. The Space Stone, you were just mentioning it there. Yes, the, the Blue tesseract. Stone. The Tesseract. As you asked me way long ago, what do you think of the Tesseract? And I'm like, that's a good MacGuffin. It'll do what the writers <laughs> needed to do. I feel like, you know... You were uh, right. <laughs> in an Obi-Wan way, yeah, from a certain point of view, I was, <laughs> I was correct. But uh, I failed to grasp the scope of the situation. Yes, and you were, you were meant to. Okay, good, good, good. I, I mean, we weren't supposed to really know it was an Infinity Stone until, I want to say, Doctor Strange, when Wong gives that lesson of what Infinity Stones are. Right. But, but this is the first stone that was in the MCU. It was the Avengers film, correct? Or, no, no, pardon, pardon. It was, it was Captain America's first film was when we saw it enter, which yes. is the fourth film in the MCU. Is it the fourth? Uh, we got Iron Man 1. We got Hulk. No, no, it's the fifth. Because Thor is fourth. Because you have two Iron Mans, a Hulk, and Thor, and then... Look at me. I'm doing this all off the top of my head, listeners. It's crazy. As fast as I can pull up my spreadsheet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the Tesseract has been around for a while. Uh, yes. Okay, so if I had the Tesseract or the Space Stone and the Time Stone, wouldn't I kind of control reality if I controlled space and time? Is space and time all that makes up reality? Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. And then the last stone we have here is the Power Stone. This is, in my opinion, the least exciting one. I don't know. It's the it's the one from Guardians of the Galaxy, the Purple Stone, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. the Orb, because it was housed in this Orb thing. It just, you know, it, it gives you power. We've seen lots of powerful beings. That's why it's kind of unexciting for me. But the interesting thing about it is, didn't they give it to the Collector? And then at one point, Star-Lord is quoted like, only an idiot would give the Collector a stone? He did say that. Um, in, in Peter Quill's defense, at the time, he did not know it was an Infinity Stone. Okay. It, it was when they got to the Collector, and they were selling it to him. So Yondu, Yondu was sent by Thanos to find the stone. Yondu sent Peter to find the stone, not knowing it was a stone. And so Peter was supposed to deliver it to Xandar, to that one eyebrows guy with the little trinkets in his shop. And mm -hmm. and then that guy said no. That <clears throat> Sorry, that was actually Peter double-crossing Yondu trying to sell this orb thing. And then he teams up with Gamora, Rocket, and Groot when they're in the prison to then sell it to the collector for like 4 billion units or whatever some crazy amount was. Um, and when they finally get to there... He opens the collector opens it up and starts telling him the story about the stone, and his um, servant grabs it, blows everything up. That's when Peter grabs it again and pieces out. So I don't think Peter ever intended to give Thanos or give the collector an Infinity Stone, had he known what it was. Got it. It's just a little little bit of Star Lord standing here. I don't know. Oh well, you can stand for him. He he's not my favorite. He's not mine either, but he is like. 
human. Like, well, he's from Earth, I mean, and he's from Missouri, so. That's true. All right. Shout out to you, Missouri. <laughs> I, I will say also, like, when you were saying Peter, Peter, I was like, oh, yeah, there's Peter Parker. It was tough in my notes. I just went either, like, Quill or Star-Lord with him, and then I went Peter Parker or Spider-Man for Peter Parker. Yeah. And just the alliteration is nice there, you know? Yep. I mean, don't let's not even talk about the actors who play them all. There's like 17 Chris's. Uh, oh, and they get very meta in this film too. They give each Chris kind of like a, a showdown. Like Chris Pat and Chris Hemsworth they have the whole like he's more handsome than me. And then we get Chris Evans and uh, Chris Hemsworth like new haircut. Oh, I see you grow out there. Yeah, the haircut and the beard. Yeah, <laughs> it's very meta. It's, it's very cool. I, I do enjoy little things like that. Uh, but speaking of all the new things in this film, let's get on to our third Infinity Stone, and that is all the new gear. Uh, the first one I got here on my list, Lucas, is Thor's Axe. A.K.A. Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. Epic. Way easier to say than Mjolnir. You gotta yep. imagine, uh, is it Darcy? Yeah. Mjolnir. Yeah. yeah. She's gonna love Stormbreaker, yeah. for sure. Rocket thinks it's a bit much. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it... It does kind of sound like uh, an arena football team, you know, <laughs> the Stormbreakers. Nice. But this is also a good opportunity to talk about this scene in general. Yeah. the On the Forge and the Dying Star, that one? Yes, because it is such a cool moment of the film. Maybe my favorite moment? I'm not sure. I hadn't actually like really sat down and thought about it, but it, it has comedy. It has depth. It has like... Like I said, this intertwining of all of Thor's different tones with the ancient and the new. And then we see like this fully realized, you know, butterfly out of the cocoon when he's holding open the star. He's finally just giving everything he can to the world. He's lost everything and he's on a mission. And it's really it's a really cool scene. Absolutely agree. It, for me, it was, it's very exciting to see this forge because this is like a mythical, um, well-known mythical forge where Mjolnir was forged, where Odin's staff, Gungnir, was forged, made, whatever. Also, where the Infinity Gauntlet was made. Mm-hmm. So, like, all of, of the Destroyer armor. So, we've talked about the Destroyer armor before, how Odin made it, but really Odin made it in conjunction with the dwarves at this forge in, in the comics or in the you know, in the history. So, like, all of the most powerful artifacts other than the Infinity Stones that we've seen are made here. It's very exciting. Plus a little cameo from Peter Dinklage. Can't go wrong. Cannot go wrong. And such a sweet moment by Groot as well to kind of realize the situation and what needed to happen and literally lending them a hand, you know? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um. Yes. I have a question for you. Uh, sure. Better flexing scene. Cap with the helicopter in the building? Definitely. Or definitely that one over anything. Or Thor not holding open for the star, but holding on to the ship as Rocket is pulling it. If you look at Chris Hemsworth's arms in that scene, it is beautiful. <laughs> I still got to go with, uh, with Cap on... Because he does, so the reason I go with Cap is because he does the classic bodybuilder pose where he's like outstretched and then does the, the one arm bent thing. Mm-hmm. You, you get the sunlight it. too mm-hmm. on, on Cap in that instance. And he's also wearing like the white tee. Yeah. Just like a, it's a clean look. And 
I know, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's a little bit more realistic to see a you know a human holding a helicopter to a building than a god holding onto a spaceship flying through space. I don't know. However, you got to rationalize it in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> That's the unrealistic part about that scene, not the <laughs> raccoon flying the spaceship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, the next piece of tech is the Iron Man suit. Uh, another thing we've been tracking since day one. Yeah. Uh, what Mark suit are we on, Lucas? Do we even know? We do. This is number 50. The big L. <laughs> okay. Like the Roman numeral. They, they all like are. A, a, I thought you were like a big loss. And I was like. No. Ah, no, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good one relative to some of the other suits. I like how it like he could make like a sword out of it by sacrificing other parts. Yeah, I, I don't know, very very cool design. Yes, yes, it is. Well, so uh, all of them are. You know, every time we say the Mark Fifty, Mark Forty Seven, whatever, Mark Forty Two, mm-hmm. those are typically expressed in Roman numerals. Got it. Like a pork rinds episode. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so the, yeah, this one is number fifty, and uh, I guess to just catch up because we didn't mention it in the non Iron Man movies, but um, we see forty six is the one that Iron Man's wearing in the airport scene in Civil War. Okay, forty seven is the um, Iron Man suit in Siberia, the big showdown between Cap and him. Um, the one that comes out of the helicopter, actually, with the one finger thing, super cool. Uh, 48 is the Hulkbuster 2, never worn by Iron Man on screen, but Banner wears it in this movie. Right, right, yeah, they're at Wakanda. Yep. Yes, yes. Okay. And then 49 is uh, a suit we haven't seen yet. I don't know how much you want me to tell you. Mm, keep it, keep it to yourself. Yeah. And then I 50, appreciate it, yeah. 50 was this one. I will say, no, that's it. Uh, I will say the 50 is this one, The it's the nanotech suit, you know. Uh, at the end of Iron Man 3, uh, you know, we saw... Tony get the arc reactor removed from his chest, but he's still wearing it on his chest in this one. Um, I think that's more of Tony's like you know personal hangups, but it's all nanotech. It's all contained inside this thing, so inside this big block on his chest. Um, this is one of my favorite suits. I don't like the way it looks, but I like the way it works. Agreed. It's a bit too sleek and not in a supersonic speed type of way, but like a, I don't know, weird kind of way. Yeah, I still really dig that, like, Mark III, you know? Oh, really yeah. Clean. The, like, the OG red and gold. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Definitely. Okay, and that that is not, like, attached biologically anymore, the arc reactor on his chest, correct? Correct. It's not, like, inside his chest, but... So he's got nanobots. He, yep. You know, nanobots, it's a kind of a mythical technology, but um, little robots that can do lots of things however they're programmed to behave and so they're basically programmed to attach to his shirt maybe maybe they attach to his chest you know to his flesh in a hopefully painless way but who knows but they can also move so maybe he's like got it he's got a nanotech shirt underneath his shirt and then the the rest of the nanobots are like i don't know i'm just spitballing here maybe they're just lightly grabbing on to his shirt or skin or something yeah not not pinching them one note i want to make about the nanotech part of the suit and and it's clearly got to be like controlled by his brain or by he's like speaking commands to friday inside the suit or something like that but in the scene on titan where they're fighting thanos um the new york trio Mm -hmm. guardian and most of the guardians are fighting thanos on titan um 
they are all trying to prevent him from closing his fist because that's how he can use the stone. He can't use the use any one stone or any of the stones without closing the the gauntlet. Um, right. So they quickly realize that, and everything, every action they do is to prevent him from closing his fist, and then they get him into a position where they can remove the glove. So part of the Iron Man nanotech part is, in at one point you see some Iron Man or Stark Tech thing shoot into Thanos's palm and use little repulsors to shoot his hand open. That's not something yeah. he could have designed in preparation for this. That that came from him in the moment and was programmed into the nano nanobots in the moment, right? Yeah. I, that that's how I explained it to myself. Like, it's it's crazy. It's so cool. That's this is why the nanobots is my favorite suit. But I, again, I don't like the way it looks. Yeah, not as much drip. Well, let's no. talk about the other suit that he made. Uh, Peter Parker's new suit. Yes, the Iron Spider. Yeah, this is a, a pretty famous from the comics suit. The Iron Spider. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, at, at some point, um, you know, Spider-Man has a complicated storyline where sometimes he's a teenager, sometimes he's middle-aged, whatever. Uh, at some point in the way, he does start working with Stark and, and gets this suit, the Iron Spider suit with the legs, the big mechanical legs. Super, super cool. It was useful in this movie, but I think it was mostly for the fans. Oh, okay. To, to show it like that. It was definitely useful. Yeah, especially in that uh, initial fight, like where they kicked the guy out of the side of the ship. Yeah, have and you he, seen Alien? By the way, it's been yeah. I saw it as a child, so I'm gonna go with a no. Okay, so you don't really like kind of know the scene that they're referring to. No, but I can imagine that Sigourney Weaver blow blew open a hole in her spaceship to suck the queen out or something. Yeah, something similar. There's a just amazing line reading too during nice. it. That's yeah, you know it's. Of that action scene vein where they got to say one line before they do it. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I don't want no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think actually eventually we do have aliens on the docket. All those here with them yeah. at it's some a, point. It's a great movie universe that we can dive into for sure. Absolutely. Okay, another new tech. Actually, we have a few new techs here in Wakanda, so we'll kind of bundle these together. We have Cap's new shields, and then Bucky got an arm, which, yes. come on, I kind of called it. You definitely right? called it. I didn't want to say anything. I knew it was happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, come on. If they wouldn't have, it just would have been uncool. Yeah, get, yeah, guy out there with one arm and a gun or something. <laughs> yeah, definitely cool. How much cool. for the gun? <laughs> it's yeah. not for sale. How much for the arm? <laughs> it's priceless. Oh, I'm going to get that arm. <laughs> uh, so Cap Shields, uh, let, let me ask you what you think about them. Like, first of all, just having two shields, it's definitely not the traditional Captain America action that we've seen. But what, how do you think, how do you feel about them? I didn't love them, to be honest. You know, especially because T'Challa was like, get this man a shield. And he got two. Yeah. Get this man like, some shields. And it honestly, it kind of drives me nuts like that more people aren't like Bucky. Like, where are all the AK-47s? Like this, like the American military probably could have taken down that horde. You know what I mean? Maybe. Like, they would, they didn't have weapons or shields. Like, they were just fighting like almost like brainless zombies. True. I'm just like, they... Where are all so, the guns? So there we should be a, a significant increase in the gun manufacturing in Wakanda. Agreed. Uh, and since you quoted Obi Wan earlier, I'll, I'll quote him again. So uncivilized. 
maybe maybe the Wakandans just you know they prefer to fight with more of a melee type weapon. Oh, absolutely. And in the real world, don't get me wrong, I'm like firmly anti-gun and like anti-weapons in general. But this is like a comic book universe. So for like yeah. the sake of the universe, like, come on, guys. Like, so I wanted to see. I was I was hoping to see like Cap with like a Wakandan laser gun and a shield. Yeah. Instead of his typical, uh, you know, M1911 or something like that and his shield, like, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah, because he'd be, like, reaching for, like, his little pistol, and Shuri would be like, uh-uh, no, no, I got you. We could do you. better than that. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You know these characters better than I. I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Uh, I feel like the response from Wakanda, or th- this is, um, this sequence is known in the mcu as the battle at uh, battle of wakanda just like the battle of new york for um, avengers one got it so it is like a, a named c scene or named um event in the mcu so for the battle of wakanda i'm a bit disappointed in the response from the wakandans in terms of their force that they they fought back with um however i do think it it is explainable in the way that black panther obviously wants to save the world save the universe but he also doesn't want to give everything they have all at once. You want to measure your response to what you get from the enemy. And the enemy is actually doing the same thing. That the the, um, the Black Order is poking at the at the Wakandan defenses. So they send the the hounds, the space dogs, at some point, and you know, this mindless um, army of dog like creatures. But then They've also got this plant. They've got the the like weird spiral ships that uh, Wanda. The diggers. Yeah, the diggers. You know, they've got all these different things, and they're they're stepping up their responses as they go. And I think, mm-hmm. I think uh, the the Wakandan force or the the people all there fighting in Wakanda are doing the same thing. You don't want to, you you don't want to hit the nuke option right out the out the gate. You know, so mm-hmm. that that's my personal explanation i do i do think they should have had a little bit stronger of an initial response but that that's how that's how i explain it to myself okay i have one more here like kind of new thing i don't know if it holds any like special abilities but it was definitely like a story point was that dagger that gamora had that she thought she was killing her father with but it turned out to not be reality yeah uh any significance to that or is that in the comics at all or anything like that or is that just for this movie to kind of tie to their relationship together that was new to me i think it's exactly that just just to tie them to that initial scene with you know the first time thanos and gamora meet in in life uh, you know he gives her this dagger and then she uses it to kill him i think that's all it was Got it. I will say I got a little confused there at one point watching because it has like a stone on it. So yeah. for like, you know, a period there, I was like, wait, is she like, like unknowingly carrying around a stone on her and then gave it to him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she gave him a different type of stone and made a tougher sacrifice. Yep. Uh, but let's get into it. We're, we're talking about the man himself here. And that is going to be our fourth stone for this episode is Thanos. So please, Lucas, give us like, I know he's a big deal in the comics. I am aware of that, but like maybe like a brief history, like when did he come onto the scene or when did like, when was he the big bad for the universe or fill me in, give me, give me some, some comic knowledge on Thanos. So Thanos has had um, multiple appearances as the big bad. Um, 
generally fighting guardians silver surfer occasionally avengers that kind of thing he's the first time he really comes to earth and in, in the way that we see him as the big bad in the mcu is the stones um the same way they're called gems in the um in the comics but small difference um the main difference I find from Thanos in the comics versus now is, well, he has a he has a longer backstory. He's not just always after the stones. It's kind of a progression of power level, essentially, that he's he's after. Um, he is known as the Mad Titan because he's from Titan, a moon of Saturn, which mm-hmm. and, is... And we do see it yes. there in the film. Yeah, they yes. kind of have a battle there. That was when they kicked the guy out of the ship. Apparently, he already had the ship on the way to yes, titan autopilot on those t- exactly you're right nice look man Whew. and this is where this is where they like spider-man mantis mantis is sitting on thanos's shoulders like trying to put him to sleep or control him you know that that whole scene is on titan um you know it's uninhabitable now because it was destroyed in the way that thanos predicted so sorry i'm, I'm jumping back and forth between movies and comics here but in, in the movies Thanos sees the state of his planet and urges his uh, the elders or the you know the rulers of his planet said this is unsustainable our planet is going to be destroyed and he proposes his maniacal genocidal plan to kill half the population in order to conserve all the resources they say no and the planet is destroyed anyway so that so I'm I'm under the, of the understanding that he didn't destroy his planet. It was destroyed in the way that he predicted, and that that is what sent him on his mission to genocide half the universe. Um, Got it. In the comics, he lives a life on Titan uh, and has you know lots of let's call them adventures. Um, some people would call them tragedies because <laughs> he had a rough go, but he eventually falls in love with a his confidant, a mysterious person, um, female, I think. I don't know. Um, and eventually is trying to win her over uh, various various ways, and she rebuffs him every time. Um, eventually, turns out that she is Death, or the goddess of death, if you want to call it like that. Although it is not Hela, Thor's sister from the MCU. This is kind of where they, they are separate. Death is more of a much bigger time, celestial or Thanos-level um, threat here. But Thanos is in love with her and wants to win her over by providing her with something nobody ever else has or could. And that is all of the stones. So he's collecting, he's ransacking the universe, trying to collect all the stones to give to her as a gift. It, All of the like individual stones and the end result is, well, the snap is not the same, but like Thanos getting all the stones is kind of similar in the movies, but his reasoning is different in the comics. I think it's much better in the movies because he it's a bit more noble that the the idea that the bad guy is the hero of his own story um, is much more uh, it hits much more closely here in the movies than in the comics because in the comics he's crazy his girlfriend is crazy she's the goddess of death and he's just trying to like impress her so he kills everybody that that's, doesn't ring as truly for me uh, can I can I counter that can I try to counter please that please do please do. What wouldn't you do for your wife? Kill half the planet, half the universe? Probably, I wouldn't do that. I don't. I don't know. I, I, you know, like that. But that you had to like kind of think about it, right? You're like, huh? I would like go further for her than maybe even for myself or for anything. Right? True. True. It, it, 
my counter to your counter is that it that is a bit selfish in a way. To, Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I think Thanos's MCU or the the movie version is much more noble and for everybody, for half the people. But it's psychotic. Both versions are psychotic, but at least I can rationalize. Um, it's kind of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few rationalization. It's we're still talking about you know trillions of people dying. I, I'm not trying to gloss over that, but like if everybody's going to die or versus half the people are going to die. You can see mm-hmm. how he's making that math versus I did it for love. It doesn't yeah, but I, hit me but the same way. Theoretically, he isn't giving it to death. So death can do anything. It's just maybe death wanted to look at all six stones together on the screen. Just like I did, you know, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> but uh, he still killed lots and lots of people to get them. Sure. Okay. No, I mean, Come on, you know me. I, I'm always like kind of stand up for these villains a little bit here. And I'm I will stand up for movie Thanos. I it comic Thanos, you can't get me. I think you have a great point there. Okay, one question like when we're talking about Thanos's power, yeah. how does it relate to ego? I would say less than. Okay, so ego is the strongest thing we've seen, right? So far? I believe Unless, so. like there's like a like Star Lord is act because he beat him, or like it turns out. Well, you know, so Star Lord is half. the whole time. Star Lord's yeah. half. So ego is a celestial. Okay. And so, as far as we know, the celestials are the most powerful beings to ever exist. They are, they have existed the longest, you know, be, beyond time, as far as we know. You know, all, all of these things are as far as we know, because who knows other than the celestials at this point? Um, I don't know if any celestials exist anymore. So since ego is gone, is Thanos more powerful than Peter being half celestial? Don't know, but I uh, my assumption is that Thanos is the most powerful being we have seen. Okay. Uh, I, another I'd throw Odin in there, maybe in his prime. Maybe Odin like in his that. prime, yeah. Thor is kind of entering his prime now. Sure. Like, he seems to have gained some new abilities. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about his relationship with Gamora real quick. Just, it's um, it's kind of the B-plot in this whole film. If you notice, like, mm-hmm. we continuously kind of keep going back to the story, whether it's, like, Gamora telling Star-Lord, hey, you, you have to kill me if he has me, and then them hunting Thanos down, and then, yeah, their experience there with the Soul Stone. Was this something from the comics, or were you surprised by this story in this film? What? How do you feel about it? First, how I feel about it, I liked it. It was a big sacrifice, and they did they did a good job of showing us what Gamora meant to Thanos, even if she didn't necessarily reciprocate. Um, it he was a bit of you know he was her captor, maybe a little bit of Stockholm syndrome. She kind of started to you know become deluded with him, but eventually she did realize that he's like a bad dude. But she still cried when she killed him or when she thought she killed him. So I think they did a really good job of showing us that they are tied. Thanos really cares for her as a daughter. And she doesn't like him but still cares about him in in a, in a twisted way. Um, so from a movie point of view, I liked it. From a comic point of view, it was fine. You know, he, he had to sacrifice something to get the stone. That's, that's the whole point of getting the soul stone is... You have to sacrifice something that is incredibly important to you, and th- th- he did it. 
luckily yeah gamora was there and i liked her initial reaction to it too like she just started laughing like oh okay good you, you don't, don't care about anything yeah precisely so yep interesting tough to tough to know if where gamora went if there's a way out you know what i mean no that's kind of a i'm definitely throwing that in the bucky category mm. Mm, good point good, yeah you know Maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk about it in the future stone here. Oh, we will see. But okay, our fifth stone is all about all of all, everything that the Russo brothers did for set pieces in this film. It's, we're calling it Protect the Stones. Yes. Each of the major you know, beats in the movie are surrounding a stone, either pre- trying to prevent Thanos from getting it or him just getting it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we start the movie, Thanos already has the Power Stone. He has ransacked Xandar. Who knows if it's completely destroyed or if he just got in there to get the stone and get out. Who knows? But right. we we meet Thanos with the Power Stone on the Ark, which is the name of the ship that we see Thor and all of the Asgardians leaving on in Ragnarok, at the end of Ragnarok. Mm. What did I? Who did I predict was on that ship? Did I say it was Thanos? Mm. I don't remember. I, I think remember. I said it reminded it reminded me of uh, the super cool long ship that uh, Ronin. Ronin had. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I kind of, you know, from yeah. a certain point of view. <laughs> so from a certain point of review. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, but the, the Space Stone, that's the first one. And Loki, uh, I, not as much in the Bucky Gamora category, I must say. That, like, that felt real enough but i know that he can project himself and i know there's also time travel involved i I don't want to lead the witness or anything uh but on the note of projection do you think loki could really fool thanos i don't think so he's the god of mischief i'd never put it past loki if the the second you start underestimating loki is when he gets you that's true That's that's true that's what i know and uh okay so Jotun's and Asgardians versus Thanos, strength-wise. A little bit below? Clearly not enough. You know, we had, we had Thor minus Mjolnir. You know, Thor didn't have a weapon at the time. Um, or Storm Chaser. Breaker, Storm Breaker. Storm Breaker. <laughs> I, I can call it whatever I want, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> All words are made up. Yeah. Um, so I, I would say that uh, Asgardians are kind of like a power level below maybe Odin or Thor being, you know, the most powerful of the Asgardians. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, because, you know, Odin is... Yeah, Jotuns. Well, I mean, Asgardians wiped out all the Jotuns pretty handily at some point, or most of, so... Yeah. Okay, okay. Just, yeah. Just asking. And then Heimdall, RIP to him. Yeah, that that one's uh, much, much more in the Loki category, not in the Bucky category. Definitely. And he sends Banner back yes. with uh, that one last like burst of energy that he calls upon. Mm-hmm. Pretty epic. Yes, all of the dark energy, dark magic. It it was epic. And say what you want about Loki, but that was his moment that that he basically sacrificed himself to buy Heimdall that time to send Hulk away. And they have like this kind of weird, sweet relationship now throughout all these films. Mm-hmm. You know, even this one, he's like, well, we have a Hulk, you know, yep. and that's kind of, a, yeah. The call back to the Avengers, uh, Tony Stark telling him that. I have an army. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have a Hulk. So, 
the next zone we see, the next set piece is um, in Greenwich, New York City. Basically, uh, Hulk crashes into the Sanctum Sanctorum, which is where the Time Stone is around Doctor St- Doctor Strange's neck, and uh, the Maw is there with uh, I can't remember the big the Hulk the you know, the bad guy Hulk um, mm-hmm. is there trying to get it. Uh, this is also where we see Tony Stark and uh, Spider-Man are introduced into the scene, and they kind of get their butts whooped, don't they? A little bit. Uh, you know, they don't know exactly what they're fighting. Um, that one bad guy who does, like, all the talking. Mm-hmm. The he, Maw. Uh, the Maw. I like when he's, like, exalted one, and then, like, Tony just is like, oh, I'm sorry, Earth is closed. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just cuts them It's Tony is, he's never changed his tone, you know? Tony is so, so funny. Uh, But we also get, like, uh, good interactions there at the Sanctorum, is that what you call it? Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah, at that place, uh, between Tony and Doctor Strange, they're both extremely egotistical people. They're always the smartest guy in the room. Wong explains the the stones as we talked about earlier, but yeah, then Peter Parker and Banner get involved a little bit later on as Banner is shot down, and then Peter sees from the bus the spaceship over the city. Ned creates the distraction, gets his fifteen seconds of screen time, and yeah, and then the then the ship goes up. Yep, and uh, takes away Peter Parker, Doctor Strange, and Tony. <sighs> it's rough, you know. Tony's always he's always got that uh, phone call with Pepper that just gets cut off you know it's it's not great it 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 hits me hits me right here yeah you know you gotta imagine that they have a tough relationship sometimes you know by Mm -hmm. tony's decision making but he also he tries to get peter out of peter parker out of the situation because like he's a kid and he's not supposed to be there gives him this new suit and then that allows him almost to survive up there in space so he stays yeah and they fight uh, the Maw there, right? On the ship? Yeah, not much of a fight, but yeah. It, that is where they, they pull that alien move or this really old movie and mm-hmm. um, shoot a hole in the side of the ship. He gets sucked out. Tony like freezes it closed with some nanotech material. But they can't control the ship, and this is where they, they're headed towards Titan, um, mm-hmm. presumably the, the meeting place where, where the Maw was supposed to bring the stone back to. Yep, and... Also, at this time, they they run into some of the Guardians crew. You know, they they yeah. split off. Some of the Guardians crew went with Thor. You have Groot, Rocket, and Thor going to the Star to get the axe made. Neta Valir. Storm Tracer. And uh, <laughs> uh, then so that leaves Drax, Quill, Mantis, and eventually Nebula even yes. there for this battle. And this Player is also the... joined the fight. Yeah. Uh, this is also where Doctor Strange goes through all these possibilities. We see him using the Time Stone. Yep, he's running through 14 million plus um, timelines of basically eventualities, d- depending on your personal uh, view of timelines and how they work. And if there's a multiverse and everything is happening, everything that could happen is happening somewhere in some timeline, or if time is linear, or if time is a flat circle. He's looking at all the different options, and he see only sees the one that they win or that Thanos doesn't win is basically um, a bit of a twist there too, where the one where we win is the one where we lose at first. 
Yeah, and that would be kind of my one prediction for this film, is that all the decisions that Strange made were to ensure that particular timeline plays out. Or he's doing everything he can from his end, so to say. I think that's a pretty good prediction. You know, it's maybe that's what the movie makers want you to think. That's true. That's true. They're going to get me just like they did with the Tesseract. (laughs) But they're back on Earth. Uh, We have the Mind Stone. We we had a couple stones on Earth, as mentioned, but that Mind Stone, a lot goes on around it. That first time with Vision and Wanda walking the streets, they get attacked, Mm -hmm. and then Steve and Widow and Sam show up. Yep. Epic entrance by Steve, too, with the train passing. I'm like, wait, what was that? Something there? And then he's just, boom, right there, steps into the steps from the shadows into the light. Classic. Mm-hmm. Such a Coulson move, too. It really is. Hey, maybe <laughs> maybe he's learning. I haven't been keeping up with my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I don't know what they've got going on there. I was a little disappointed, honestly, to not see anybody from S.H.I.E.L.D. in this one. I figured they'd at least have, like, a cameo or something, but they, they had a lot to do. Yeah. But, yeah, they... They fight them. They let them live, which I uh, probably shouldn't have done that. But these are the heroes, right? Yeah, they, these are the heroes, and they give them a chance. You know, good guys. I will also say, too, like, during the, the other fight with Thanos, where they're trying to pull off the glove that we were talking about, they, I mean, Quill, Quill fucked it for everybody. I definitely agree. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. Like, Quill, come on, man. Yeah, Gamora, she died, but you were also willing to kill her to save everybody, and now, like, we're trying to save everybody. Mm-hmm. The, and it's happening. Like, you could yeah. talk all this trash, like, as soon as the glove is, like, off. Please. Yes, when Thanos... I mean, Thanos is a force to be reckoned with on his own without the glove, mm-hmm. but, like, get the glove off the guy. <laughs> the only only explanation, um, actually watching the director's commentary, directors and writers doing the commentary for the movies... They basically say it's Quill being human. You know, everybody... Definitely. Humans make mistakes. Humans act with emotion. And, you know, he's half human, right? uh, The part of me that's dumb, that's 100% of you. Yeah. No, (laughs) and I get that. Like, they they set it up well enough. I'm just saying, come on, Quill. 10 seconds. 10 seconds, man. Like, wait. Yeah. Wait. Spider-Man's, like, on it, pulling the glove off. Yeah. I'm right there with you. But back there to Scotland, what did Vision mean by the blade stopping him from phasing? What is phasing? So phasing is that like him controlling the density of his molecules and you know how he can walk through walls or shove his fist into an Ultron bot and pull it apart. So he like mm, okay. he can make himself less dense, pass through a wall, solidify, you know that kind of thing. Um, and so the wound, whether it's whether it's just the fact that it is a wound or um, something special about the blade that he was stabbed with that is preventing him from using that ability. Okay. The second time with the Mind Stone, it, you told me it's the Battle battle of Wakanda? Yes, the Battle of Wakanda. Basically, everybody who's not in space is there, and even some of the space crew show up at some point. But we got, you know, Steve, Wanda, Widow, Sam, Banner, Thor, Rocket, Rhodey, Groot, Bucky, Siri, all of the, uh, Yep, all of the Wakandans. All, all of the tribes, uh, Mbaku and, and the Jabari tribe, all of the river tribe, you know, everybody's there. God, they're all so cool. Like, their pump up. Yes. The tribes, it is, ah, uh, it was oh, getting the me chanting, pumped up. The, Yeah, the, fi- the fight chanting that, like, 
the leader says something, it's like call and response. It's so, it hits you in the chest. It makes you like amped up. Yeah. Absolutely. And then they're like, once they decide, oh, they're going to surround us, we got to open the gate. Yeah. And like, instead of being like, charge, we get T'Challa just doing the accent Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. I like literally out loud, like I was watching it alone. I'm like, fuck yeah. Yep. <laughs> and that has really become a thing uh and the writers and like directors in the commentary mentioned uh they didn't expect that one line to stand out so strongly but sure does wakanda forever man and as we touched on in black panther just with the chadwick boseman loss like it just it hits even harder like definitely so again i don't know what my experience would have been in real time watching this you know because mm-hmm. i wouldn't have known at that time that he was sick but knowing that he was sick we've touched on it a few times it's just like yeah fuck like that's so ah it's emotional but it's really good but okay where are the hover bikes where are the rhinos lucas come on i i know it, it's did, disappointing did, they had so did many Wakanda opportunities civil war did it all the rhinos and hover bikes go down they must have i hover bikes maybe they're, they're more of a children's toy you know, not really useful in battle. It's like like a bicycle. Would you ride a bicycle in battle? I don't know. I'd like to think that Bucky would find like use for it or Cap like with his motorcycle skills. True, but if it's yeah, a hover bike. I don't know. If it's more like a Star Wars speeder type, yeah, could be useful. But I'm thinking like uh, Back to the Future hoverboard, where it's like a plastic toy that just hovers. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as useful. Because in when Shuri mentions the hover bikes, it's it's a throwaway like it's just like riding a bike line, mm-hmm. you know. So that that makes me think that they're not exactly weapons of war. Um, but the rhinos, man, where are they at? And that rhino horn, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to see it come back too. Maybe maybe Wakabi is uh, no longer welcome. Mm. I hope that's not true. He did betray the king. I, I don't. Know. I'm not very high on Wakabi. That's fair. But as you know, you can say sorry. And, if we're, and this is a battle for Loki, this for is a battle Loki for existence. Back in. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Anybody's allowed back in. The last two stones here, I guess, we, they're not big action set pieces, so we can kind of tackle them together. They're, they're the much more emotional ones: the Ether Stone, the Ether Stone, the Red, the Reality Stone, and the Soul Stone. Um, these are big, huge moments in the film, but like I said, not they're not a battle. Um, Thanos already has the Reality Stone when the Guardians appear on nowhere he's interrogating the collector shout out Mm -hmm. to uh guillermo del toro right and benicio del toro damn it but shout out to you guillermo del toro like yeah pan's labyrinth one of my all-time favorite films i mean you're an incredible (laughs) director shout out to you shout out to benicio del toro uh you know one of the one of the few just a couple minutes on screen um Mm -hmm. but that scene it's just like the power stone i guess it's like he already has it and we get to see him use it Uh, yeah the soul stone this is the like emotional crux of the movie where thanos has to sacrifice gamora on vormir in order to get it i mean vormir new place uh Mm -hmm. we get to see the red skull again and but this is really just between thanos and gamora just throws her off terrible oof yeah, uh, R.I.P. to Gamora. You know, you know she's one of my favorites. I think uh, we can circle back just because the final stone that he does get is that Mind Stone in Wakanda, and that is where you know they're fighting there. They're giving it everything they can, and then the snap, boom, 
you know, that's the final piece was there at Wakanda. And it, yeah, he's gathered everything else. And that leads us into our final stone here. And we're just calling it the after snap. <laughs> or the snapter math. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Thanos got his sunset that he set out to have. Or it was sunrise. Sunrise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he the just wanted to watch sunrise, the sunrise. Exactly. But uh, okay, Lucas, who vanished, who didn't? Okay, so I'm going to break this up into two sections. On screen, what we see, like mm-hmm. you got to believe what you see at this point, uh, and then what happens off screen, um, which is a bit of speculation. We'll, we'll get there. So on screen, who died? Well, we talked about it. Loki, Heimdall, Gamora. I'm going with the probably actually dead in the story type of way um, because we do see them get killed. Gamora maybe a little cloudy because she gets thrown off a cliff. We saw Black Panther get thrown off a cliff too, but and Bucky. True, we did see. Yeah, we did see Bucky fall off a cliff and survive. Um, mm-hmm. The last person we see die is Vision. Pretty brutal. He dies twice actually in the span of just a few seconds. Wanda yeah. kills him, breaking apart the stone. Incredible, and then. Thanos reverses time and then just plucks the stone from his forehead, which is brutal. <laughs> and his body, like the lifelessness that yep. they did with no the color with the he... design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's really effective. Yeah. So then the snap, you know, or the culling is what it's kind of referred to in the, the MCU is because that, that was Thanos's whole plan is to call the herd, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so after the snap, we see, Who's gone? Who's gone? Disintegrated. Black Panther, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Bucky Barnes, Falcon, Scarlet Witch, Star-Lord, Groot, Drax, Mantis, Nick Fury, and Maria Hill in the post credit scenes. So in that list, basically the only guardian of the galaxy that survived is Rocket because Gamora's already mm. gone and then the rest of them disappear on Titan with Tony. Right. So the survivors... Uh, I already said Tony and Rocket, Captain America, Thor, Black Widow, Hulk, Rhodey, and uh, Nebula, Okoye, and M'Baku. Yeah. Nebula and Tony at this point are the only ones, only characters not on Earth. They're on Titan, mm-hmm. alone together, you know, stranded essentially. So, off screen, these are, a bit of these are the unknowns. Um, I don't know how much you want me to get into it because this is part of the part of that year. I would just say unknown. And did yeah. you mention Thor or T'Challa there? Uh, or yes. are they on the unknowns? Uh, no. So Thor is confirmed survived. Okay. T'Challa, Black Panther, cons- confirmed disintegrated. He's, okay. Okay. He's okay. helping uh, Okoye up. Yep. And she. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was. Brutal. I just missed it when you said it there. I was just making sure. Okay. And then yep. what are our our unknowns I, so our, scott, our unknowns? scott lang right absolutely okay. ant-man scott lang <laughs> hawkeye um unknown captain marvel uh, you know we don't know her yet but she sure. exists in the universe so, and just unknown pepper mm-hmm. valkyrie mm-hmm. wong happy hogan nakia uh nakia hope pym you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um shuri the collector howard the duck Howard the Duck, unknown. Uh, he he might have been uh, not even part of the culling. He might have been destroyed on nowhere whenever uh, Thanos got the reality stone. Who knows? Uh, and then the last two, Ned and MJ. I mean, you got to assume they're on the same bus 
going on that field trip to the Met, right? So mm-hmm. unclear. And May. And May. I guess uh, we could we could really start uh, yeah you're gonna go, on, you on, go on the on the unknowns but yeah you just had me thinking of Spider Man there uh, uh and what about Jane you know she's been uh, a a wall for a while or M I A for a while she has but I mean if you've had the ether in you and then all this stuff's happening with the stones you gotta imagine like maybe like Vision she's getting like something going on somewhere you know shout out to you Jane. We hope to see you again. We really, really do. Is there anything that you want to ask me here before we get on to our categories? So, yeah, th- I guess I, I briefly I started to mention the year that we spent between Infinity War and Endgame. Part of the hype, part of the, the experience that I went through is trailers, posters, just the social media blowing up about it. Um, we learned things. So... Well, can't remember which one it was that we talked about but they had these like fake commercials that were part of a big marketing campaign okay we got information from the creators through but in this year so we got the posters which confirmed certain things and answered certain questions and then the trailers showed you know somebody who was alive that we didn't know so like mm. you know part of that experience i think is what you're missing here and and I, I don't. I don't. I don't like that experience, though. You uh, know, for me, that frustrates me. It's so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> uh, so okay. On the, in that case, I, I won't. I won't get to. I won't share any of those uh, revelations with you. Because is there is there one that sticks out that maybe isn't like a huge little spoiler, like well, or anything? So I guess the 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 big two or three, um, but the big two are the next two movies that we're going to watch between now and Endgame. Ant-Man, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Captain Marvel. Got it. And so those, I guess it's not a spoiler to say, those movies exist, they happen, um, their timelines don't really match up, but we do get the information that we need here of are they snapped or are they not snapped. Also, I mean, Scott has gone quantum before. Like, how does that all play in with the disappearing right. and reality and space and time and everything? You know, because I, I don't understand. I don't even know if Scott does, but maybe he got around it that way. Or yeah. maybe he disappears into the zone with them, but he's the one who can lead them out because he has a suit or some Great sort point. of understanding. Or I don't know. I, this is just me, just me pontificating. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe after our next film with Ant-Man and Wasp, as we're leading into Endgame, I'll let you send me like one trailer or clip or one of these pieces of media that you think really enrich it. Sounds good. All right. Well, we're going to get into our categories here, but we're going to pause one more time to hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Coolers, the best coolers since the Ice Age. Summer is approaching and that means it's about to get hot, but that doesn't have to be the fate of your canned or bottled beverage. Mammoth Chilski is a double wall vacuum insulated drink holder made with kitchen grade stainless steel. The Chilski works with both 12 ounce cans and bottles and has a screw on collar that seals the can or bottle securely. It keeps your beverage cold 10 times longer than competitor drink holders. The Chilski comes in a variety of colors including burnt orange, midnight blue, maybe mindstone yellow, soulstone orange, ether red, you can even customize it with a high-definition laser engraving. Get that gauntlet, man. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. 
visit www.mammothcooler.com, that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order, and use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off. Using that code helps Mammoth know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Okay, welcome back, Lucas. It is time to pick a power. This is the, the most difficult it's ever been. Agreed? The most powers are on display. True, but I think there is like two, one standout. Like the obvious choice is the gauntlet, right? It's the most powerful thing in the universe. Uh-huh. So I got two picks for the power. One is obviously the gauntlet. If I am able to wield it, that's the big thing is like nobody is able to wield. Only special powered people are able to wield one infinity stone, much less all of them. Okay. Uh, the one, my backup pick is Wanda you know the scarlet witch power she's the one that has the power to destroy an infinity stone and she can like move stuff and you know so there you go wanda's my pick i assume you pick the gauntlet all stoned up yeah gauntlet gauntlet on its own is like you know basically useless it's a big heavy that's why i said glove. i was like i want the glove fully stoned but <laughs> it, okay if we can't get that or like that's just too easy i would say i i want uh, like thor's Thor's drive in mm-hmm. this film. It, it, yeah, he just cannot be held back. Uh, and that leads actually really well into my who's the hero. I'm going to go first here, Thor. Can't argue it. Not who I picked for my hero, though. He's doing so much work, and he comes in at the Battle of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he's the one like also who kind of bridges the Guardians with the Avengers. He's like the common thread between mm-hmm. them. Like, oh, you know Thor? Yes. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, You're not not very handsome guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. needed saving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Thor is also kind of, he's playing the long game, sort of, where he's he's on this arc, outside arc, to get the weapon that can kill Thanos, then shows up to kill Thanos, while everybody else is just kind of kind of scrambling to, like, yeah. defend any, any one stone. Um, Thor is the only one with, like, maybe not a clear path but uh or sorry not maybe not a clear idea of how it's going to happen but he knows i gotta kill thanos and in order to do that i need this weapon so let's go get the weapon go kill thanos despite all the tragedy that has like come upon him yeah families are tough they play it a little bit for comedy you know but also at the same time you're like that's a tough run for thor so he got dumped in there too he did and like he lost his home planet yeah so rewinding just a couple of days this all all of this movie takes place in like two days time right and then it's unclear how long they're on the arc from the end of ragnarok till when we see thanos but you gotta imagine it's a pretty short time Mm -hmm. all of ragnarok only takes place in the span of a few days maybe a week yep so he he lost odin before that he lost odin he lost his hammer discovered his father lied to him and uh his sister killed or destroyed his hammer then he had to he had to unleash the beast that would destroy his entire planet and his sister and his sister which i mean not like they had a real brother sister relationship there i I can't imagine there's a lot of emotional ties uh and then gets it gets dunked on by thanos thanos also dunks on hulk right then too just saying and then then loki dies heimdall dies and he's floating in space and gets picked up by the the guardians He's had, he's had a rough rough week or two, I would say. Uh, but okay, who's your hero? It, 
So, who's on the poster for this movie? I don't know. The man himself, Thanos. This is Thanos' story. He He's the villain Whoa! from... Oh, You're going Thanos is the hero? Yes. He's a he's the he's the villain from Earth's perspective, but like I said, the the villain the best villains are the heroes of their own story, and this is Thanos's story. Okay. Every major scene revolves around him. He's on a mission. We're fi- we, he is successful in his mission. He wins in the end. He's the hero. He's the hero of this movie. I'm not saying he's a good guy or anything, but mm-hmm. this movie is about Thanos. I'm usually the guy standing up for the villain. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, this is one of those pretty rare movies that the good guys lose, the bad guy wins, and it's a hit. You know, there, there are notable examples of this, Empire, for one. Um, Two Dark Towers. Knight. Two Towers. Mm-hmm. Like, it's usually the second movie of a trilogy. Right. How often do, is that true? How often does that happen? I'm trying to think of other trilogies now, but pretty often. Okay. Well, it's a great setup for the finale. So I guess this time it's it's three out of four instead of two out of, out of three. But still, that that's it. Thanos, Thanos is the hero of this film. Hey, I'm not going to argue there. I was just surprised. I love the take. Uh, what is your unofficial ranking of this film? As I as I alluded to at the beginning, uh, ranked pretty low preseason just because i didn't watch it a bunch it was very emotional it was fresh i didn't enjoy watching it a bunch and you know rewatchability ranks highly or affects my ranking highly 16 preseason 16 out of 23 pretty low wow yeah, yeah. is that right. what was that the lowest preseason ranking of the four avengers films i don't want to divulge that information understood um at rating as we go this is we'll see at the end I, i'll do a recap um of of all the movement but i think this is the single largest movement uh ranking in at number five that puts it behind spider-man homecoming and uh cap two and then ahead of ant-man it'd be number six there hmm i guess real quick my top five since uh and this one is the fifth um thor ragnarok civil war winter soldier spider-man homecoming and then infinity war okay so it's right up there and captain america one being number seven there behind ant-man so now like on some of these because you haven't rewatched them a lot they've kind of taken you by surprise and jumped up a lot on their exactly that's true black panther too yeah well i am giving this film four out of six stones we had a lot of movement in the jla top three here so first, a couple inductions to the Hall of Fame. Killmonger, just an oversight by me. Same thing kind of that happened with Heimdall. I yep. should have done it last episode. Killmonger's in the Hall of Fame. And I've done something here unprecedented. Loki in the Hall of Fame here, but also I'm keeping him on the Jaylee Top 3 despite he might be dead. Yeah. So... Here we go with the JLA top three. And I just want to say to everybody, you're all winners. You know, everybody on this list is great. You know, even if you're last on this list, you know, you're still the best of the best. Hope everybody understands that. Except for (laughs) who's in last place. (laughs) We'll get to all. Now we have a second to last place now, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Okay. So coming in at number nine, previously ranked six, Wong. Okay. Okay. Coming in at number eight. 
previously not on, in the JLA top three, a new addition, we have Drax. Hmm. At number seven, Shuri. She was at five. She's at seven. A little bit it, of movement. It, yeah. Really not her fault at all. I love yeah. everything that she did here. It's other people putting themselves up there. They they Precisely. nothing nothing Shuri did. It's just other people doing what they can. Like I said, everybody here is a winner. Number six is Sam. He was previously three. Ooh, that's a I big just, drop. A little bit. And it, again, no fault of his own. He just wasn't there a lot. I needed something like yeah. him, like grabbing Cap, yeah. you know, or. Oh, that would have been or, a cool team up move where Cap, he throws Cap into the bad guys or something. Huh. Or if he, honestly, I want to see him grab Groot mm. and Groot, like, do like webbing out and then just like soar and like knock him out. Oh, man. These uh, stunt choreographers should be contacting you. <laughs> I think they're quite good at their job. <laughs> uh, number five, another new addition. Wow. Probably the biggest name ever to enter the list here. The Asgardian King himself. We got Thor. Thor jumping straight to five, huh? Wow. He's jumping straight to five. He was so... So you still got Loki ahead of Thor? I do. Wow. I do. Yeah. Okay, so number four, the only one that like didn't move or anything is Gamora. Sure, solid. And and honestly, by not moving, that's also a win because you're seeing other people are dropping. So yep. like the fact that she died, you know, maybe in this movie, and she still stayed there, impressive. Now here's where it gets interesting. Number three, Black Widow. It's the yep. first time that she's like fallen out of the top two, and she's held one for a really long time. A while. Okay, number two. He stayed there, Loki, but he he made the Hall of Fame, you know, yep. so unprecedented. Holding on to that two ranking, I will keep him there, like, activated through Endgame. Okay. And then before the final Spider-Man film, I'll reassess if he goes just to the Hall of Fame and off of the list, or if he can stay there. And then number one, coming up from number seven. Wow. Can you believe it? is mantis <laughs> she like legitimately like cracked me up like when he was like put on your mean face crew she's in the background yeah yes Arr, just making that face and then they're talking about oh the gravity's off on this planet and she's just jumping in circles yep. in the background and then she gets on thanos's head and like puts him to sleep like she tries to yeah Basically saves the universe until Quill gets Fucks too it big up. of a head. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're right. I, I will say, okay, she's incredibly powerful in that she uh, definitely deserves her place on this list. But she's also like her her sort of reason for existence before meeting the Guardians was to help Ego, the Celestial, the more powerful than Thanos being, sleep. Mm -hmm. So it, I, it's a great example of her power there to be absolutely to be utilized in that way. And she's just so much fun on screen. And she that, is. That plays into my top three here, too. Yeah, every, Can every I pet your puppy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just a classic line from one. It is. She's a great built character. So number one right now is Mantis. Second to last place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dr. Stephen Strange. What? Yeah. He's I don't like him. He's a goddamn hero. I don't like him. I, I, I'm just going to say it. I did say it. You heard it. Unbelievable. Yeah, I don't like him. I'm just not a fan. I, he and I wouldn't be friends. No, he, sure. he's definitely a jerk. But I mean, yeah, yeah. He's That's his character, I guess. He's a surgeon. Yeah. He's yeah, he was always... supposed to learn from that experience. And he did. Did he? 
I feel like he's still like a big jerk face. All right, and still last place by infinity. Not even Sit close. Well, the worst. AKA the worst. Lucas, one minute on the clock. I, we've been on for like almost two hours here. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. I'm mean, surely there's something we missed, but like this movie is just a lot. We we covered everything we need to cover because I can't I can't go any further. It we're right there on the edge because we're we're so close to the last movie, like the end game, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, and I appreciate you uh, on this. Uh, well, then I'll tell the listeners if we did miss anything, please send us your feedback or your questions like in an email form to hello at begonia.fm, or you can just reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram at perlustrationfm. You can also go to begonia.fm and you can find all the shows for Begonia in general. And we also have a merch tab there where you can get some really cool shirts or mugs or stickers. So just come come to the site. We'd appreciate you coming there. Leave us a message. We'd really appreciate it. But for our next episode, we will be watching the 2018 film Ant-Man and the Wasp. Again, directed by Peyton Reed. A big thanks to Mammoth Coolers for sponsoring this episode. Lucas, take us out. Dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. Okay, post-credit scene. You kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier when we were talking about the after-snap. but snapped her math. We get to see Fury and Hill again, who were really big players early on in this universe, and they've kind of faded to the background. But we mm-hmm. see that they went away with a snap, but the beeper sent a message to someone. Yes. Okay. Uh, so that that's... This is where the benefit of reading the comics or, or having familiarity with the comics really comes into play. It's it's not a spoiler. That's very clearly Captain Marvel's symbol on the beeper there. And Captain Marvel mm. is the, not the next, but the next, next movie we're watching. Um, okay. Yeah. It's Fury is in contact with Captain Marvel. He called her. She's coming to help. Hopefully. Well, and, and speaking of like beepers and Tony has a flip phone. Yeah. What's up with that? The guy who has a nanotech suit has a flip phone? Yeah. So I've got two two things to explain it. Is Well, I got, a, I got a for and against. One, against. Like, yeah, Tony, come on. Like, you got Steve's number. Can you just, like, program that into your suit so you can call him at any time? Mm-hmm. The other thing is it's, like, it's it's a, it's a symbol. It's it's really a the only tie he has to Steve anymore. And he it's pretty symbolic for the super high-tech future guy to carry this outdated technology on his person at all times in case he has to call Cap until he drops it and Hulk picks it up off the street. Can you imagine if somebody else picked it up? Like, there's just a flip phone on the street. The only phone that calls straight to Captain America. 
some random <laughs> yeah, New Yorker picks it up. Like Steve Rogers. <laughs> yes. It's like, who's this? Steve. I am Steve Rogers. Did you, uh, did you try calling that phone number? No. It goes to nothing. Oh, that's disappointing. I've never been that guy to like freeze frame on it and, and find the phone number. I honestly, I stupidly assumed that they would have set up like a fake voicemail like, hey, this is Steve. I can't get to, you know, my answering yep. machine right now as like a promotional tool, but they did not. Yeah. What was the line that I have to say now? Do you speak Groot? You speak Groot? Lucas, do you speak Groot? Yeah, they taught it on Asgard. It was an elective. Lucas, I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. <laughs>